This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 189, X-Men Apocalypse. Okay, first things first, I don't know why there is a vinyl scratch in a digital recording, but that's the way it's going. That's just the way it's going. That's just the way we roll, I guess. Second thing second, this is not episode 189, this is episode 193, although it was originally intended to be episode 189, but the lost episode has returned. The prodigal episode has come home. My computer, which locked up, froze, died, I got some sort of weird messages, and then weird things were happening, took it into the Apple store, it's back, and it cost me $0 to fix. I'm so happy that's an answer to prayer. If anyone was praying about this, then I, I thank you for that. But uh, it, it, it was going to cost me a, a handful of $100, and instead it cost me a handful of $0. And uh, that's very, very nice. Not only that, though, not only that, the autosaves were autosaved, and... I didn't have to do any extra editing to get this back into the state that it was that I wanted it to be in. It was all right there. It was all right as I left it. And so, yeah, I, I do want to say thank you to Apple for taking care of me. And also, you know, thank you to Jesus for also taking care of things here. Uh, so this episode has it's it's been rescued and it's being released right now. But before we get to the episode, I did want to mention this being episode 193, episode 200 is coming. Episode 200 is coming and we want to do something big. We want to do something special. We did 100 favorite characters for episode 100. For episode 200, we are going to do 200 of the greatest stories of all time. Now notice I didn't say the 200 greatest stories of all time. This is not the kind of list we're producing here. We're saying 200 of the greatest stories of all time. And the reason we're doing that is because we're splitting it up into four different categories. We might add a fifth or even a sixth small category, but basically four lists of about 50 stories in categories like comic books, film, novels, and, and television. And we might add in some old time radio and video games in there as well. I'm not sure how that's all going to work, but we want more voices to be heard in this episode. Uh, you know, for example, there's there's a guy out there right now. He's a guest host. He's been a guest host on the show. That means he is Strangers and Aliens family. I'm going to be sending Strangers and Aliens family, people who have guest hosted on the show, emails inviting them to please, please, please send us a voice recording. But we want voice recordings from everyone. And I just can't send personal emails to every single listener. But if you are a listener and you say, you know what, I, I, I have five novels that I just love, send us that list and we will incorporate that into our math algorithm or whatever it is we're going to use to construct these lists. But uh, we also will, will read the emails or play the voicemails and you can send us emails to podcast at strangersandaliens.com. You can also send voice recordings to that same email address, and you can send a voicemail. You can just call in 1-804-37-ALIEN. That's 1-804-37-ALIEN. But all that to say, uh, you know, you don't have to do 50 in each category. Evan, uh, Steve, myself, Dr. Jace, we're going to do some of that stuff uh, where we're coming up with like 50 of the greatest TV shows of all time, sci-fi and fantasy TV shows, that is to say. But 
honestly, we don't want that from you. That's a lot of work, a lot of stress. What we just would like you to do is to say, you know, if I say, what are some, what are the greatest novels you've ever read that are sci-fi fantasy? And you can think of three, send them to us. If you think of 10, you know, send us a voicemail, list off the, the, you know, the 10 through eight or 10 through two rather, and then just talk about number one for a little bit and let people know why. This is all about story. It's all about um, science fiction and fantasy stories that have affected us. And so when we say greatest stories of all time, we're saying 200 of the greatest stories of all time. And we are, I'm excited. I'm excited. We, we have some real opportunity to talk about some cool, cool stuff. So that's, that's that. We will be reminding you in other episodes. Um, but I just wanted to take the opportunity here as I'm recording this anyway to get this episode ready to go out in episode, you know, in between episode 192 and 194, uh, just to take this opportunity to get this message out about what's happening with episode 200 and I can't wait it's gonna be a lot of fun we're gonna try and get Dr. Jace in where we've got Evan we've got Steve and like I said we're gonna try and get previous guest hosts like like uh, Dana Lucas Timmerman and people like that I don't know if they're gonna be able to do it or not but I'm gonna try and get their voices on here we want more voices to talk about stories that they love that's what episode 200 is going to be all about. So with that said, I'm going to return you where we left off <laughs> to episode what was 189 and is now 193, which is about X-Men Apocalypse. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> To boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did so was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Strangers... And aliens. And I'm Ben, Ben Avery, one of the strangers, one of the aliens. Got a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, a little bit of peanut butter in my chocolate. And I'm here with uh, a couple people who have chocolate in their peanut butter. And that would be... Evan David, I'm an alien, we decided. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Steve McDonald. The two great tastes that taste great together. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's a couple different songs I was thinking about singing just now. I was thinking about singing the uh, Sting's classic Englishman in New York, the I'm an alien, I'm a legal alien. And I thought, you can also go with strangers in the night, exchanging glances. But then you can go also with, I'm a stranger. We are aliens. aliens. That's a good old Petra song. Actually, the reason yeah. I even thought of the title for this podcast old, in the first place. Good old, good old Petra. Oh, Petra. Petra. Oh, yeah. 
They, they, they should just, do a whole episode on Petra. We almost could. Science fiction-y type. Well, their album cover art, for sure. Yeah. Guitar spaceships and yeah. missiles. I'll probably be sitting and... that episode out. <laughs> oh, you can look at the album cover art. I could look at the album cover art. You're right. I could. Maybe. So I, I look. Think, I, think, I think Petra broke up before he was born, so. No, well, no. They stuck around. They're, they did break up, didn't they? Now, if you guys want to do some, like, Stephen Curtis Chapman or Uh-oh. Keith Green. Let's wait a minute. I can, do, I can I stop there. I stopped that listening to talk. Keith Green. I had to. You stopped wow. Keith Green? I had to. He was too convicting, man. Like every song. <laughs> Absolutely. You're just like, wait, oh, that's about tears. me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Can't drive through tears all day. Yeah. It's hard. So you want to go back to Egypt? Oh, there is our transition, Evan. Snap, Ben. You want to go back to Egypt, as Keith Green says, and as this movie that we're about to talk about said. Um, yeah, as you can tell, we're going to be a little scattershot here. We're, I don't have a, an outline. I don't have a plan. I was telling these gentlemen that if they had a plan for this episode, I was going to step on it with my no plan. Yeah, squash we're just, the plan. We're just jumping in. We're going to talk about this movie. We are going to spoil it. I don't know. Should we wait and spoil later, though? I don't think it's going to yeah. accomplish anything. Let's I think we should just go ahead and spoil first. from the beginning. Are you sure you don't want to just do the rating first and then go into the spoilers just in case people haven't seen it? <laughs> sure. I'd be most interested in Steve's rating. Um, <laughs> Steve, who has potentially seen a minute and a half of this movie, maybe three minutes of it from trailers. Maybe. I don't know if we've even seen the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I could watch it while we're, while we're, <laughs> recording i guess <laughs> we're going to talk about themes in the movie and steve is going to pipe in with thoughts about the themes you know, cause there's big picture stuff to talk about here and mm-hmm. there's also comic stuff that we're going to talk about a little bit i think he has experience with the comic books the x-men comic books that deal with apocalypse at least some of them right yeah, x factor yeah, x factor was yeah. my introduction to apocalypse yeah, yeah but, uh, we'll, we'll get well, into that's that. where he was that's where he was introduced so we'll we'll, we'll get into that um, but sure, sure, Evan, we'll, we'll, we'll give our rating I... of this movie and then we will scale that rating against what ratings you give your favorite and least favorite X-Men movie, but we'll go ahead and, oh and do a list later. But what's your favorite X-Men movie, Evan? Do you have one? Yes. Okay. I've what decided is it? It is X2 X-Men United. All right. And what would you give X2 X-Men United? I'll give it a 4.5. Out of 5? Yep. What's your least favorite? My least favorite is Wolverine Origins or X-Men Origins Wolverine. And what would you give that? Oh, maybe a 1.5. Okay. All right. All right. Fair. Fair Fair rating uh, since it's your opinion. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And there's really nothing we can but do about that. But. You know, that's not counting the <laughs> opening credits. Like, as we all know, is one of the best X-Men movies ever made. I Yes, I have said before that if they stopped at the end of the opening credits, that would be my favorite X-Men movie ever. I, they didn't have to lengthen it. If they just stopped right there <laughs> and let it sit at, what, five minutes long? Yep. You know, maybe six if you include some of that early stuff with the the boys, you know? The James Howlett, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'd be with you there, man. I'd be with you. Good stuff. 
Uh, Steve, you can't answer this about Age of Apocalypse, but what's what's your favorite X Men movie? Uh, the very first one. Okay, and what what rating would you give that movie out of five? Um, like a three and a half to four. Okay, three and a half 2. to four 5. adamantium claws out of five. That's, yeah, that's what we're gonna go with today. And, and how about your least favorite? Uh, I think I'd go with Evan on this one. It's a rare time we're gonna match up here, but the <laughs> that Wolverines. That Wolverine horrible, horrible, horrible movie. And what would you give that? How many uh, adamantium claws out of five? I. You have to give at least boy. one just to stay on the chart. At least one. Yeah. Could I give a half? No, because that's 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 more. I mean, that's. Could I give it like less point than nine nine? Well, that's less than one too. I know. So I'm just oh, trying yeah. to. As low as I, I guess as low as I can. You're gonna go it, as it was low just as you can go. Bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. Not, not a very good one. No. Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah. And my my favorite X Men movie is still uh, X Men First Class. Just the tone and and the the scale and the 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 sixties stuff in there mm. and, and all hmm. that. Um, See, I I might think that is a new a new i haven't really seen the second one or the third one to, to put it everything into context and i actually haven't seen the second wolverine movie either which i'm i'm looking forward to watching i just haven't done it um but i'm thinking that once i do see those movies it's going to put it the whole thing more into into context for me and my my uh opinions may change okay yeah first class has been my favorite movie since i saw it like the, when I saw it in theaters, that was my favorite movie, my favorite X-Men movie. That one for me is uh, – that one's right above X-Men Origins Wolverine for me, hmm. Ben. So – Interesting. <laughs> um, but we can talk about that when we list the whole thing, I yeah, guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, although the whole idea is not to have a plan here, but of course I think I'm making plans of how we're going to talk about this. But yeah, I give that one uh, – about as close to a five as I can give without giving it a five. Huh. Um, I mean, that's just, I really, really like that movie. And yeah. And so since we're not doing the whole series, not ranking the whole series here, um, my least favorite though, at this point would be, uh, you know, Wolverine X-Men origins, Wolverine. I think it, ladies it, and gentlemen, it's unanimous de- depending on the week though. It, X three has a, left a really bad taste oh, in my mouth. Oh yeah, that yeah. left a really yeah. bad taste in my mouth. And there were some things I liked about that movie, but yeah, the killed off uh, Cyclops. That was us. Well, I mean, that's the thing is whatever goodwill that movie would give or get from me, it quickly, quickly gave it back to me with with yeah. something else. Yeah. Um, yeah, from Cyclops just disappearing in the you know off screen to that terrible I, ending. I mean, I knew what they were trying to do when they were making that movie, but it just failed on so many levels. Oh, that one and is above first class for me. I mean, it's still the third worst one, but I really don't wow. know how to talk to you about things ben, right now. Evan. <laughs> the reason Cyclops had to die was so he could be reincarnated in Superman returns as Lois's boyfriend. Do not care so, about totally that. Acceptable. No, it's not because totally you know acceptable. what? It was spite on someone's part. And truthfully, he could have done both. He could have done both, yeah. and they didn't have to kill him off screen. They fired him and destroyed the character. 
yeah. out of spite. But did they fire him or did Brian Singer lure him away to his new movie, Superman Returns? Doesn't matter. He he came to be Lois's boyfriend that she's living with. Superman movie trumps X-Men movie. The math is simple. That movie again, there's a lot of stuff I liked about it, but I just I have it left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Not good. Uh, but much, much less of a bad taste than X three, for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right, well, let's spoil this thing. Oh, wait, we haven't even given our rating for the movie we're talking about yet. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've rated uh, the one about as high as I can give on the scale, and the other one as low as I can give on the scale. But um, Apocalypse, I would give a good solid 3.5 out of 5. Nice. Maybe 3. I mean, yeah, I'll go with 3. Just right down the middle. Right down nice. the middle. You? I'm going to give it a 3. Okay. I'd give it a 1.2.3.4.5. Okay. All right. You just invented some new math for yeah, this, Steve. Yeah, I'm good but, at that. You know. Well, I, I homeschool, so I can pretty much invent any math that I want. Yeah. <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty cool. So, okay. That's that's that. I, I think we're just going to start spoiling. I don't even know if we're playing the spoiler organ. Okay, watch out, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're just, just going to be spoiling this movie. We're talking burn about it. the movie. We've already warned you we we're going to spoil it anyway. If you have not seen the movie and our ratings of that good solid <laughs> C rating, C C grade, <laughs> um, spurns you on, you know, go watch it. If uh, the thing that I kind of came back to with uh, when I did this on Welcome to Level Seven was, if you like the other X Men movies, you'll you'll like this. You you will. There's some good callbacks to a lot of good stuff. And, you know, it, it reminds you and asks you to remember the good stuff from the previous movies all the way back to the original. If wow. you like the new X-Men movies, you will like this. And if you like the old ones, you will possibly also like this one. Is my consensus to counter Ben's consensus. And if you like the original comic book version, then you're probably way too old to be seeing these things. Probably. <laughs> Actually, probably. I feel like this one, in a lot of things, is one of the most comic accurate movies they've done in the X Men series. Wow! And so, you've read the comics? Uh, no. So how well, can you say? Okay, wait. I've, I've, I haven't. Re- I haven't read the original. <laughs> I haven't read the original comic books with with Apocalypse in it, mm-hmm. but I've read other X Men comics. And I've, let's just say they, they pull in a bunch of stuff from a bunch of other treasured X-Men media, including the cartoon show. Uh, and they've they've honored some stuff in there. And so it was kind of cool to see Ooh, all that. X-Men cartoon. Do they have Morph? Did Morph make an appearance? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Hello? Is this thing on? No. Yeah, I know you're talking about, but no, he's not in it. Um, <laughs> that would be there, hilarious. There was some cool things that they pulled off here that was exciting to me because people, you know, my, my X-Men experience is the new X-Men, you know, starting with, you know, Wolverine, Nightcrawler and, uh, was Thunderhawk or whatever his name was. (laughs) Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Those guys, uh, had been X-Men when I started reading X-Men comics, but my X-Men comics were reprints of the originals. And did you get the classic X-Men? Is that the one? No, no. Cause classic oh. X-Men started with 
Giant Size X-Men number one. They they were new team. Uh, it was Amazing Adventures that was reprinting the, okay. the adventures of the original five. And right. so those guys, they caught my imagination as a, just a little, little guy. And I loved Angel. He was my favorite X-Man. Uh, I, I probably would call him still my favorite. Uh, I like what they did with him over time. The idea of what they did with him, I like a lot where they took him and transformed him and turned him into this dark, you know, Wolverine times 11. He's so dark. He's just, <laughs> you can't believe how dark he is. I mean, he's named death now. That's how dark he yeah. is. And then he's trying dark to overcome angel. that. And then over time he does overcome that and he gets back to the, you know, the, the more happy guy, the, the, the rich and helpful guy who's out there trying to, you know, there's, there's one, uh, awesome, awesome comic where he uses his money to create this place for, uh, teens and, and they come in and they, it's a, it's like a roller rink, but it's for flying, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, they can go in and they can fly around inside this kind of the stadium kind of thing. And, um, so I like what they did with him over time. And I like, that's a character that you, you got to watch him change over time and, and then change back and try and pull himself back to where he's, he's not, you know, having this, this darky dark stuff, but he's, he's trying to overcome it. And, um, but the other thing I loved about him as a, uh, in the, with the originals was these, the other four were really powerful, like really powerful. Beast was strong and smart and Cyclops shot lasers out of his eyes and uh, Marvel girl could lift things with her mind and yeah. Iceman could create all these ice sculptures and shoot yeah. things and, and then Angel has wings. And he was an amazing, amazing friend of Spider-Man, by the way. He was, he was. And, and Angel had wings, you know? Yeah. And, uh, wings. and so I, I, I guess I kind of like him bones. too because he wasn't, uh, quite as powerful as the other guys, but he still, you know, tried to stick with the team and, and all that. Yeah. So I think he was the only one where like, if you like physically removed something from him that isn't part of a normal human being, then he would no longer have his powers, which is his way happens in this movie. Well, uh, it happened in the comic books too. So nice. My, ex my exposure to X-Men, like I, we talked about in the animated cartoon show episode that we did. I, I was embittered toward the X-Men original cartoon. Uh, but then, and then I went to go see the original movie in theaters. It was my first ever PG-13 movie I went to go see in theaters. Whoa, risque. Yeah, and I lasted about five minutes and then left the theater scared out of my mind. <laughs> because, really? Oh, yeah, because, man, Rogue starts making out with that one guy and sucks the life out of his face. Yeah. And people are screaming. And so was I in the theater. I don't know. I was screaming on the inside and I was like, I need to leave now. Wow. So yeah. And then my dad tried to show it to me again on DVD and I was still freaked out to was watch last it. Week? No, no, it was, it was a while ago. A month ago. But then, <laughs> then I eventually got into the X-Men evolution cartoon show, which I really enjoyed. And then, uh, then watched okay. X-Men two and all that. Um, and then I played, you know, Marvel versus Capcom, the game. Saw him in there. So, so yeah, my X Men exposure has been. Oh, and then I, and then we got into Ultimate X Men, the comic series, which is where I first experienced them in the comics. And Ben, I swear I'm not 
trying to be antagonistic, but I've made a list here of my favorite and least favorite X-Men characters, and Angel is on the least favorite oh. the character list here. So, What are you talking about? Why? why, why? I don't know. Maybe it's just his depiction in the media that I've seen him in. He's always comes off as super whiny and self-absorbed and lame. Okay, so He's I've Angel. seen him. I've seen him depicted in media other than comics. Mm-hmm. I've seen him depicted three times. Okay, and well, the first time I saw him depicted in media other than comics was in the X Men cartoon, and it okay. was related to Apocalypse. And he was already Archangel, and he was just trying to, you know, get along. And it wasn't a very good story. I didn't like the way that they did it, but it was cool to see him on the screen. So, okay, whatever. And the second time was X3, where he's, like, trying to cut off his wings so he can fit in. Right, and, and that scene was pretty pretty uh, heavy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't think there's anything in there to make me, you know, hate him. No, no. See, in X-Men, the I think X-Men 3, I, that might have been the first time I ever experienced him. And he just seemed kind of bland and eh to me. And then... The next major appearance I I read him in was in is in the just recent X Men comics where they brought the five original to the future. Yeah, and, yeah. And in those, he's super whiny and lame, and and then comes out of the closet. Huh. So no, he doesn't. That's Iceman. I'm pretty sure it was Angel. Well, you're it's wrong. Iceman. You can look it up, but it's it's Iceman. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I read the whole arc, and I'm pretty sure it was Angel. Okay, well, type it into Google. And, and I will. We'll let Steve talk about his uh, his X-Men experience. And, and I remember, this was a little while ago now. I mean, I'm older than you guys. And uh, I was sitting down with a couple of buddies of mine, uh, Stanley and, uh, and Jack, and we were just, you know, kicking around ideas. And I, I you know, we, we were just saying, hey, what? What if what if evolution was true and, you know, things actually, you know, happened that way and like these random mutations and like, you know, stuff. And they said, hey, you know, that's a pretty good idea. We were in a comic book company and you know maybe we could use that. So, you know, a couple of years later, they had a, a, a hit, a minor hit. I think it was fan, fantastic something i don't know and and then they they wanted a new you know a new a new thing so they they kicked i guess they kicked that idea around and they said you know hey well we gotta we gotta you know put something in here to to honor steve because he's obviously the one that you know basically the one that, that came up with the entire idea so they had to wait a couple. They had to wait a couple issues. I understand. You know, obviously they're not going to you know name a character after me right away or something like that. But <laughs> sure enough, sure enough, the first time, a they said, you know what, we need to do something that's going to honor Steve. Plus, because because his his good friend Ben, and who will you know his his good friend Ben in the future, but we have to honor something you know to to have one character be that the the thing that honors that one thing, and sure enough the 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 Canadian uh, vindicator or guardian, right? Mm-hmm. Is what's his middle name? I have no McDonald, idea. McDonald James oh. McDonald Hudson. So he's from Canada, honoring Ben obviously, and his middle name McDonald. Obviously, I mean, what else is named McDonald in the world? So obviously, so 
you know, to, to honor me and to sort of, you know, kick it back into, into, you know, Hey, thank you, Steve, for, you know, in, encouraging us for the, this idea and stuff. So there we go. So that's sort of my first, uh, first experience with it, you know, the coming up with the original idea. I actually didn't read the comic books very much until, um, you know, it, it became the, the new X-Men, you know, right around the time that they put in the, the, the homage to me really is homage. Um, and uh, but uh, it, it was really when growing up seriously now it, it when I was growing up, it was the first series that I really got into. I was, you know, I, I one of my friends would tell me about different things, but this was the first one. He loaned me like the actual comics, you know, I had in my hands, you know, giant sized X-Men and, and, you know, 94, 95, I mean, had these in my hands and um and I read them and reading them. I, I didn't know what was coming next. It had already been passed, you know, 137, which was the death of Phoenix. But I was reading, you know, the birth of Phoenix, you know, when she just came into being. And then I was, you know, reading all these these issues. And then John Byrne started to do it. And the artwork really started to pop for me. You know, Dave Cochram, he does a great job. And uh, you know, the earlier artists, much more in a 70s style. But, you know, John Byrne really coming out of that and, and almost defining more of an 80s style in the Marvel, you know, section. George, uh, George Perez was really doing that in the DC side and, you know, really uh, very spot on illustrations. You know, not they weren't I don't want to say sloppy, but they they had such continuity from frame to frame, from panel to panel that it, it really drew me in, um, you know, especially with the John Byrne stuff and seeing Chris Claremont writing year after year after year of these characters and just seeing how the stories just play out and out and out and out and out was fantastic to me. I mean, I collected up until, you know, uh, X-Men 250 or something like that. Um, so, you know, getting this huge sweep of this, grand drama that that chris claremont was doing and not just the x-men he did the new mutants he did uh you know the the limited series the wolverine limited series he did you know all these different other things and he he would do i mean he was writing other comic books at the time he was writing spider woman so he you know, the x-men would cross over into spider woman and you know all these different things he was doing so it was making this one huge story uh, 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 avengers uh, annual number 10 the first appearance of Rogue, he wrote that, even though it's the Avengers, but it has the X-Men, it has Rogue in there. And, and it's like he's just writing this huge story that's just like, I mean, it, it's sprawling, but it, it makes sense. It has reasons for things happening and characters returning 20 issues later, but it's for a purpose. And it was the first time I really started to to understand this long form type of writing this serialized long form type of writing and I, I was kind of spoiled with the chris claremont thing because after that i mean there's no one else i don't think that has written you know 200 episode issues in a row of a certain comic book I, maybe they have by now i'm not sure but just to have that weight of it pushing it behind it where you could say you know i'm not really sure about this comic book but you know, the 199 before this were pretty good. So I'll stick with the next one, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so, very few, very few runs like that that I can think of 
Yeah. Other than like GI Joe, that was Larry Hama the whole way through. Yeah. yeah. And, but that was only like a hundred issues or something. Well, right? but they've continued I mean, it since then. I say only a hundred, but still, yeah. it's an amazing. It's um, amazing. I mean, there, yeah. yeah. There's there's very few, um, especially in like the big publishers. Right. Because if you're if you're looking at like you know Dave Dave Sims and Cerberus. Which is you know three hundred issues and right. and that, but um, but he did but it on his own. It was creator, his own creation, yeah. and he self published it and kept it going on his own with his own right, just his own uh, momentum. Mm-hmm. So Brian uh, Brian Michael Bendis uh, did almost I think almost two hundred in Ultimate Spider Man, mm-hmm. yep. and he he and his uh, illustrator broke. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's record with that series also. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. What about Iceman? Yes, I was mistaken. I don't know how I got that mixed up because I read the (laughs) issues. I'm pretty sure. Um, Yeah, I got that mixed up somehow. Yes. uh, But Iceman was the one who came out of the closet, but Angel was still whiny and and. uh, (laughs) Yeah, because you remember it so well. So I'm going to. Yeah, no, I (laughs) the thing is. Um, he, he's in this movie, he's in apocalypse, but mm-hmm. his screen time has been very limited and hasn't been real true to the character. Even this time around, it's, it's not. And so I'm watching this excited because I know one of my favorite X-Men characters is going to be on the screen, but knowing also it's not going to be a very true, uh, to the comics and to the character that I've enjoyed, uh, portrayal. But it wasn't bad, and and I guess maybe we should just talk about the movie a little bit now because we're a half an hour into a podcast called X Men Apocalypse. So, <laughs> um, but the movie itself, it, it has Apocalypse, who is one of the big bads from X Men history. It has his four horsemen, the four horsemen of the Apocalypse, which uh... um, in the comics actually were. Uh, death and war and famine pestilence. and yeah. what was the fourth uh, pestilence pestilence, pestilence. yeah and yeah. and so you have these four characters and and uh, angel was turned into death and the reason right. he was turned into death or was able to be turned into death was early on the morlocks were involved in some things where they were me- underground mutants like the opposite of of xavier's x-men in that xavier's x-men were up and visible somewhat and you know looking like normal people but these were mutants who couldn't do that and they were living in the sewers and stuff like that and so there was this uh crossover event that crossed over from thor and x-men and x-factor and angel had his wings torn off in that event and he's depressed and maybe maybe even a bit whiny um because you know earlier he had lost his vision but that returned, and now he's lost his wings, and they were given back to him by being turned into an agent of apocalypse. Mm. And he was basically a mindless killer kind of thing, and so it was a big reveal, you know. But his wings were turned metal, and he was given extra power, and that's that's the apocalypse's mo. And he does it in this movie too, where mm-hmm. uh, Angel's wings get wounded by the electrical fence that he gets thrown into and apocalypse repairs him heals him fixes him 
and gives him these more powerful metal wings that can shoot feathers out and, and all that kind of thing. He was thrown into an electric fence. Yes. Yes. It makes sense in context. I can understand, okay. Steve, why you would kind of say that with that questioning voice. But Well, it's just um, because in the, in the comic book, and, and I'm going to go back to the comic book because I haven't seen the movies, but I think to try to, to, to give a good sense of, of where it's coming from that maybe I'm going to ask these questions. But in the comic book, there's just this epic, I think it's, it's on the cover of Thor, maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure. But it's just uh, the the... The, one of the mutant massacre mutants that are you know hunting down the the mutants is is harpoon and he's taken his harpoons and harpooned angel to the wall so it's just like he's just stuck up on the wall yeah. by his wing it looks like a, just like it looks like a weird variation of like an angel crucifixion yeah right. and you and you're just i mean you feel for angel you're just like oh that that hurts and you can just tell it hurts and you're just like, oh, man. And then yeah. so here he just he sort of gets thrown into a. Yeah, well, well it's here's, more the, here's the deal, Steve. That. I mean, this is and I'm going to try and, and the things that I say to explain to you, I'm going to try and, and do them in, in commentary of the movie as well so that it's not just, you know, repeating it for people who've seen it before. But um, it's a callback. The fence that I'm talking about is actually a cage. Uh, it's okay. it's a cage match. Uh, between Nightcrawler and Angel. Angel is a cage fighter who is being forced to fight in East Germany. Uh, mutants are a common presence in the world in, in the time of 1983 uh, after the events of Days of Future Past, which you also haven't seen, but that was, took place in the 70s. Oh. And so after those events, broad daylight they are they're seen and, and it's reported on and it it's actually taught in history and stuff like that in the history classes. And uh, now so there's this underground mutant uh, cage match and Angel's doing pretty good. And he goes up against uh, Nightcrawler, uh, the f- electrical field. We get to see Nightcrawler's weakness in the movie. The electrical field keeps him so he can't get out of the cage. He can't bamf out of there, but he can. He's forced to then fight, and it's a survival kind of situation where he's going to fight because he has to, and they will kill them if they don't fight. They'll kill both of them, and so they do. But then uh, Mystique creates a little bit of havoc and and does something with the power, and uh, the power gets shut down, so they can escape. But then it gets turned on again. It's just all these kind of things happening, but. Um, it's in the context of this cage fight where the, okay. the, the cage is electrified and there are men with guns standing around the cage who will shoot you if you don't fight. Got it. So Got it's, it. but it's a callback. I mean, it's a callback to the first time we see Wolverine. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's all kinds of callbacks to those, those movies like that. And I guess that's, if you want to start there, I like sure. that. I like that a lot that they were calling mm-hmm. back to those things. They call back to, uh, Magneto's, origin story um they use i believe the footage they use when they do flashbacks to it is from um the first, first class not from uh the first x-men no the uh the open gates are from the first x-men i think actually i think all the footage was from the first x-men well maybe i mean the mother stuff wasn't in the first x-men it was well, no, not not the him and his mother, but the part where he's ripped away from his mom and dad. That was the opening scene. 
of the first X-Men. I know. I and they, re- they reused some of that footage for first class. Well, no, they reshot it for first scene. class. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah, they reshot it. The whole thing? I'm pretty sure they did, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I might be wrong about that. That one, I'm not so confident that I'm going to say, yeah, run to Google and prove that I'm right. But you can you can check Google. <laughs> uh, in the end credits, they talked about footage being used from first class. I didn't see a, a, noted, a notice about the the first X-Men movie. But Okay. Anyway, they, they call back to that, though. And they call back to... Um, I think it was Wolverine Origins where we see Scott Summers first have his powers happen uh, in school. In school, they do that here. Mm-hmm. It's a different scene, different setting, but it makes sense because it's a different world. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so and that's the other thing I liked about this is this is absolutely a different world. And I was wondering, okay, so we're in a new timeline. Days of Future Past has reset the timeline. And we know that in 2015 or 2016, Wolverine is going to wake up and he's going to have his memories restored and he's going to go and, and talk to Patrick Stewart. And he's also going to see Famke or Famka Jensen, who plays uh, Jean Grey. And mm-hmm. he's also going to see Cyclops. In 2016, in this new timeline, Cyclops does not die in X3. X3, X3 went away. Yeah. And so it's all happy and hunky dory and the the school is, is in, you know, it's running in full swing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is all new timeline stuff. And I was wondering, okay, so where was apocalypse in the old timeline? Where was he? Well, obviously he's still buried, right? Well, they did a great job of setting up a scenario where it, that was my, my number one, um, curiosity i won't i won't say it was something negative because i was just wondering how are they going to do this and when they did this we start off in ancient egypt and we see egyptian mutants his egyptian four horsemen who they they there's this great scene with a big battle fight and um and apocalypse gets buried he was just buried the whole time the new timeline mutants are out there and we have Moira McTaggart who leaves the door open to the secret society of apocalypse followers and sunlight gets in there and activates apocalypse's um, life stealing machine and brings them back. And I'm like, okay, I can go with this. They, they have <laughs> given me a scenario where I can accept that he was not in the other timeline and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there. This is good. This is good. And I like that they're building a new timeline and and building a, an alternate reality that that says, OK, what if in 1973 mutants were revealed? What would the world be like? Yeah. And it also provides a another route for Wolverine to get affiliated with the X, Weapon X program. Well, but uh, uh, then, then what happened in X-Men Origins? Yes, yes, because X-Men Origins uh, I'm not, I can't remember when that took place because that was. Uh... I looked this up because I was okay. really curious. It's the the whole bulk of the movie takes place in 1979. Excellent, because uh, Days of Future Past was 73 ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so Stryker gets him in 73, and they reference Weapon X. Yep. In this movie, and he's they don't, been. They don't reference it. 
Oh no! I'm, no, they're they're taking imagery from the comics. Oh, for sure. I mean, they I mean, are... it's just straight up Weapon X. Yeah. I don't feel like it's a reference. Okay. They have the whole thing. All right, Steve, calm down. You can. You can. <laughs> I was man. I was shocked at this. I was. Oh, I, I was, was too. Broken. Yeah. I could not believe they did this, and I thought it was great. It was much more than the cameo. I was I was expecting at least a cameo, like days or like a, a first class. Mm-hmm. Man, what a scene! Phew. Can you believe this is PG thirteen? No, because <laughs> man, apocalypse is like beheading people. People are saying the f word, which they have said in every new. You get old, one. Uh, you get one f word in a PG thirteen movie. Right, and they've made and sure they to use it, it in yeah, all the new yeah. X Men movies, all three of them. So that's why it's one of the reasons it gets a three for me, because they just have to throw it in there for no reason, and it was, it was just as out of place in this movie as Apocalypse was in that factory when he said <laughs> it. Uh oh. So, uh, I, I, Apocalypse, the character design looks good, but felt out of place everywhere he was. Yeah, <laughs> just didn't feel like part of the world. And that could be a good thing if that's what you're going for. But it didn't feel like they were going for that. It just was happening. And yeah, well, uh, we find for me, out that one of it wasn't the factory for me. It was Auschwitz when yeah. he's walking around there. And I was like, oh, this looks like this feels like something from Doctor Who and not the good new Doctor Who. It's like <laughs> great makeup, but it's it just felt old Doctor Who like. We've got well, this. we've yeah. we find out that Apocalypse, one of his superpowers is uh, really cool superhero clothing making abilities. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what though? Are you saying this sarcastically, or are you you actually like? Are you okay with I, this? No, I'm 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 both saying it sarcastically, and it it's a good way to make sense of why everybody gets new cool Avengers looking costumes. Okay, but how about this thematically? It fits thematically because there's this there's one scene where they make a big deal out of that. He is redesigning not just Angel's costume, although he did do that and he gave him the cool wings and he did do that. Mm. But he's like drawing his face right. and, and sculpting his hair. This is a man, Apocalypse, a mutant who's been around for, you know, generations and generations and generations before he was trapped, you know, uh, five centuries Oh, no, no, 5,000 years ago. He is being God. He is creating. He is reshaping people and re, uh, redesigning them. And mm-hmm. it's he does it with all of them, every they, single one and, of them. And they're putting their faith in him. And because I know you discussed this on, on Welcome to Level 7, but I – you know, it doesn't seem like he's using uh, mind control on no, these guys. No, no, uh, he, he can't. Like, that's one of that's the things right. that he's excited about with when he comes across Charles Xavier is here is someone who has a power that he, that Apocalypse does not have. And to take Xavier's body, he's also taking that, that mutant power. Mm-hmm. And he... But he is shaping Angel and he is creating Angel. And it just struck me because he's standing there just using his finger to draw and create these kind of uh, tattoo lines on Angel's face. And he's 
causing the hair to you know get shaved back and and sculpted and i'm and just oh he is shaping and cre- he's creating he's he's making a new creation out of out of angel and mm. and he does it with storm a little bit where he he adjusts her hair and gives her a new costume and psylocke with her costume which is the most comic accurate x-men comic uh x-men costume. movie costume in all of the movies She's, yes, she looks just like she walked off the page. Which you know, say that, say what what you want to say about that. Um, I don't, I, I can't help but think it's not an accident that the most comic accurate costume to be put in an X Men movie is also one of the most revealing, yeah, uh, physically <laughs> costumes that there are in an X Men yeah. movie. But well, there's Mystique who's not actually wearing anything but that's not no, but that's not her comic costume yeah that's not no, her comic not. costume no they're putting yeah. psylocke in her comic costume because it it looks like the way it does mystique yeah. that was something created for the movie i mean if they had gone with mystique from the comic she'd be what a 90 year old woman wearing a white gown with skull buckles on her belt <laughs> that, she was yeah. 90 was she she was she was old she looked she looked i mean she was blue she just wasn't attractive. I don't know if she was no, 90. No, no, no. It was her partner. Her it was partner her partner was who was like 90. Destiny. Yes, Des- that's Destiny, who was 90. Yeah. Destiny. Yeah. yeah. But also, you know, say what you will about Mystique, and there's plenty to say about her outfit or lack thereof. But, you know, science fiction-y logic, it makes more sense that she can, you know. It's like morphing it, scales. Right, yeah, because if she was wearing pants and a shirt, you know, every person she turned into would be wearing that same pants and shirt. (laughs) And then you could easily tell who she was. Right, well, that's what happens at the end of this movie is she's wearing the X-Men outfit, but she's wearing it over her blue body. Right. Um, Instead of, which most of the movie she spends, so we are not seeing her behind the makeup. We are seeing her with blonde hair and clothing. And in a cool 80s haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, this movie is so 80s. This movie is so 80s. <laughs> That's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. And then you start thinking about the 80s and it's not as cool. I like the 80s, <laughs> even though I wasn't there. I was there. And man, this was pretty spot on. <laughs> we, we had the uh, we had the. Thriller jacket. Oh my goodness! We had Ooh, was the Beyonder there. <laughs> no, no, it was Nightcrawler wearing a Thriller jacket. It was a Thriller oh, that's jacket. Funny. That's and funny. we had uh, Jubilee, which I liked, even though she didn't do anything. And the the funny thing about Jubilee, I don't think she was really much of an '80s character. She's a '90s character. No, she was in the '80s. Was she? Yeah, I'm pretty. Well, she got. Sure. It was late. She 80s. got famous. Yeah. She got famous on the the cartoon show when they made her a part of the main cast. Yeah, in ninety two, and she was taking on the the uh, Kitty Pride role of right. Wolverine's protege kind of thing, but the Robin to Wolverine, right? But uh, yeah, so oh man, super eighties, super. Speaking 80s. of Wolverine, can we just talk about him some more for a second? Sure. I feel like we I feel like we rabbit trailed off of him, oh, so we is... have. His cool Weapon X outfit, <laughs> finally. His knee-length shorts. 
<laughs> and the headgear head and all the, the and piping the going into the into the flesh and the only thing that it was missing was was for him. he was too dry yes like i when i think of weapon <laughs> x i think of him coming up out of the vat you know and yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah but they just had him in a, in that cage thing and i'm thinking oh this is it they just have him in the cage and we can't even see him that's what I thought too. And okay, well, yeah, nice, cute, haha reference. Nope, they open it and he's a plot point. He is a weapon that the team uses as a huge distraction to allow them to to infiltrate the secret base. And by distraction, we mean kill literally every Everyone. single person in the <laughs> base except for Striker. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, so they, yeah, I mean, he is, you are, you see the claws penetrating people's flesh. You and see blood, blood splatter all over the place. So between Apocalypse crunching a person into a ball oh, man. and Ugh. tossing him aside, you know, and rocks, giant rocks just crushing people. And then you and have Wolverine like- just massacring this base of people and... I, I can't believe this is a, a PG-13 movie. It wow. it had to just skirt that R rating. I, I, I can't imagine um, them be able to add anything more than what they had. But I think with movies like this, they they make as drastic a version as possible and then just cut it back little bits by little bits until they get to you know the rating that they want. I don't know. It's possibly. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't anything where I'm watching it and I'm just my my sensibilities are offended because right. oh, you know, it, it wasn't anything I hadn't seen before, but it is a hard PG-13. And it is not a film that actually, I mean, I don't plan to watch the X-Men movies with my kids anytime soon. Um primarily because of the, the mystique outfit or lack yeah. thereof. Um but anyway, it was uh I did hear, uh, in regards to Mystique's outfit, I did hear that Jennifer Lawrence said this is the first, uh, the first movie where she didn't have to do. It wasn't full body paint; it was a suit that oh, they had. Interesting. Her in. So at least on set, maybe it was a more modest experience than, than normal. I don't know. Hmm. Well, the the other thing I liked about this is there was at least one or two frames or shots where we actually had in frame, you know, beast Cyclops and Jean gray. And so that was fun to see them together. Then no angel sometimes. Well, and then angels off there too. Um, not a part of the five, you know, not a part of the friendship that, that I, I enjoyed with those, with those comics. But yeah, that was, that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, but no Iceman in this one. There's not. There but that makes sense because we don't get Iceman until X X Men the first one, the right? First so X Men, he's be, a teenager. Yeah, yeah. it would be two thousands. So by then, Scott and Gene and Storm are all grown adults. Then again, though, with Angel, uh, if you're going by timeline, um, X three timeline, Angel wouldn't have been. As old as he is right now, I wouldn't think. 
he could just be older than he looks in that movie. That's true. That's true. And older than he acts. Because, I mean, he's acting like a teenager. Yeah. But, um, in, or maybe he was, uh, oh, I, I, I can, I can do this. Here's my no prize. He okay. was, his aging was abnormally accelerated. There you uh, go. And, and so that's, that's what happened there. Wow. Well done, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Now we can't use that again for anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're maybe related to him or something. Speaking of relations, Magneto's son. Quicksilver. Oh man. Uh, another, uh, another, uh, steen, scene stealing scene. He's the yeah. best part of these movies. Um, and I'm okay with that. I That's not the Quicksilver from the Avengers movie, though. No, no, no it no. is. It is pop culture reference Quicksilver, which is one of the main reasons he's in these movies. Wearing an Atari T-shirt, yeah. wearing a six million dollar <laughs> man T-shirt. That was kind of that fun. Hey, he's running fast. He's Quicksilver, and he's wearing a six million dollar man T-shirt. Uh, watching and Knight he... Rider, playing Ms. Pac-Man. Although he told his mom he was playing Pac-Man. Yeah, he's got the uh, he's got the headphones, so we know what music to listen to in this decade, like in the last one. Yeah, what yep. you listen to? Well, this time he was listening to "Sweet Dreams Are Made of These" by okay. the Eurythmics. Is that right? Eurythmics. I don't know, but yeah. I like that song. "Sweet Dreams Are Made of This." Is it? Yes. Oh, but that's not the lyric, right? Well, who well, am I to disagree? She, she. It sounds like she's saying these, but she's actually saying this. It's just very affected. Sweet dreams are made of this. It's just how she sings it. It sounds like these. So everyone Hmm. thinks that sweet dreams are made of these, but it's sweet dreams are made of this. Hmm. And by eurythmics, not the eurythmics, eurythmics. Quicksilver was awesome again, Ben. Yeah. What did you What did you think about the whole scene? The, the only problem I had with the scene, the scene was awesome. And in the movie, if it was just this movie, um, I wouldn't have this this problem that I have with it. It just, this movie doesn't exist in a vacuum. We had the previous movie, which had the Quicksilver scene. And this was one of those times where I'm thinking, okay, this is a little bit too much. Look at this. You liked this before, didn't you? Well, we're doing it again. Here it is. <laughs> Another great Quicksilver scene. And you're watching and thinking, this is a great Quicksilver scene. The music was perfect for the scene, just like it was last time. Yeah. And his attitude was great and fun. And he's enjoying himself as he's doing this great feat, just like the last time. And he's, (laughs) it, it just. The special effects are mind blowing, just like the last time. I wouldn't call it mind blowing. Oh, it's it's pretty impressive. No, because well, here's here's why I, I disagree with you on this one, Evan, and, and that's that I feel like I've seen it all now. I don't think I'm gonna ever see a special effects thing where I'm just gonna say, I can't believe they did that on the screen. Right. Yeah, but the the mix of practical and and digital effects that they used here is it's it's impressive to me. Yeah, I I, I don't think I'll ever be impressed again. In that regard, right. <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. Like, unless it's someone that I know who has been learning that and says, Hey, look at this, look what I just did. And then I'll watch it and say, Oh, that's great. Because, yeah, 
you know, I'm I'm seeing this and I I'm looking at the person who did it. But right. for something like this, where how many millions of dollars are spent on it, I just can't be impressed that with that. It has to. What it has to impress me is the moment. The moment has to carry me, mm-hmm. and and so I, I hope I never get jaded in that way. But yeah, there's never going to be another Jurassic Park for me where I'm just sitting there, or a Star Wars, <laughs> where I'm just sitting there watching something and saying, "How did they do this? How did they trick me like this?" <laughs> yeah, well, I'm trying to remember when what my movie was where it was just like, "All right, that's it." <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Well, no, Jurassic Park wasn't the moment that I said, oh, well, I've seen it all. Jurassic Park was the moment where I was saying, I can't believe they're doing this. And then they continue doing it. But then you're also watching poor imitations of it coming behind there. But um, maybe Titanic or maybe maybe even the, the prequels where it was just anything and everything could be done. Let's do it. Yeah. My one of mine was uh, Spider-Man three, actually, with uh, the Sandman when he first is forming himself in that giant sand pile mm-hmm. where you could see all the little grains coming together. That was yeah. really cool. Um, OK, that's a topic for another day. Um, <laughs> no, this I, is just this is just just three guys chewing the fat right now about, you, you know, we started out with, because the movie, but. We're just talking about stuff, man. Just just geek stuff. I, I I actually am okay with Spider-Man three. It's not my it's not my favorite. That belongs to Spider-Man two. I thought you weren't okay with it. Me? Yeah. Maybe no, I'm okay else. with it. Most people disagree Spider-Man with me about Spider-Man also, three. Spider-Man two was also horrible. No, Steve, I don't think yes. so. Yes. You know what? We I me and my friend, it was he was moving to California. Okay. And we were both big fans of the first Spider-Man movie. And we were like, you know what? This is the last day we're going to be able to spend together until who knows when. And we were like, let's watch Spider-Man 2. First day it came out. This is like the maybe it was the Saturday that it came out or something. And we made plans. We were going to do that, pack him up, and he's gone. Okay? So we went to the theater. We sat down. We were jazzed. We both had popcorn and our drinks and everything. We sat there. We watched the movie. And afterwards, we looked at each other, and we said, "Did how'd you how'd you like it?" And he said, "I, I, I, I it was not good." And I'm like, "I'm glad you said that because <laughs> I thought wow. it stunk too." Huh. And it was it was so incredibly bad. I actually warned my wife away from it. For so, so incredibly bad. That's the phrase you use for Spider-Man too. Yes, it was I, that I warned my wife away from it for such a long time that she eventually said, no, I, I have to see it. I like Spider-Man. I like the first one. I'd like to see the second one. So I said, well, OK, if you do, I'm going to watch it with you so I can, you know, see what you're seeing and then be able to point out, you know, what the deal is and, and maybe, you know, try to get it over that way. And she sat down with her friend and watched it on TV or, or video or whatever. And the movie ended and I was like, so... And they were like, you're absolutely right. That was horrible. What? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah I'm you, serious. You live in a bubble. Of, I don't. I mean, the I fact don't. that you're the, the three people who are closest to you that you know who've watched that movie hated it is bizarro world to me. I guess, but I mean, wow. if you talk Guarded to anyone else, man. Superhero movies. 
we wanted to like it. Me and my friend, we just wanted to have that bonding experience as we're oh, leaving man. each other. And <laughs> at least we got to see Spider-Man 2 together. And it was uh, we wanted to like it. It's not like we went there to, to trash it. We wanted to like it. It, it just no, 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 no. That is so weird. Totally disagree. Because that that's that's like, yeah, Spider Man two, for a long time before the Marvel uh, cinematic universe really came about, and even if you look at Iron Man, let's let's throw in Iron Man. But when Iron Man came out, people were saying, you know, oh, there's X two, there's Spider Man two, there's the original Superman. There's the original Batman and there's Iron Man. Like these, these were the the greatest of the greats, and and yep. e- everything else was like kind of stacked up. You know, how does it stack up against them? Daredevil is it going to be another Spider Man? No. Oh man, like that. I think that's p- part of why people are so disappointed in Daredevil. It wasn't a horrible, horrible movie, but it wasn't as good as the Spider Man ones. You know, it was just it was not another Spider Man. And no, when, when, around here anyway, my friends, it was like fifty fifty. And half of them enjoyed it, and half of them hated it. It, it was it was just that diversive, just that bad. Really? Yeah. I, I actually, man. you know, when I first saw it, I really enjoyed Spider Man Three, and I can see now that I have more, I guess, critical mind. I can see the problems with it, but I still enjoy the thing. And actually, one of my favorite parts in the whole movie is emo Strutwalk Peter Parker. No, I I agree. I was I was cracking up. It's hilarious. It, it's not it's not comic book Spider-Man, but it's okay. But you know what? Just, it, here's what here's my defense of that is that this is the worst of him. Yeah. You know, the the symbiote does not make you evil. Right. It amplifies the bad in you. And and I feel like they did a very good job. I mean, in the context of the movie, they set that up as that's what the symbiote does. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a pretty good job in the movie of, you know, playing up to Peter's pride. Yeah. And, you and, know, and this is not this. Is, like, I always think this is not comic book Peter Parker. OK, just like just like Christian Bale is not comic book Batman. But they're over there in their own little contained little place. And it's it's great. And he's this is the worst version of Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker. Yeah. Dig yeah. on this. <laughs> well, and think about Think about Spider or Superman three, you know. <laughs> yeah, they do the same thing with with Clark Kent. It's a, it's a horrible, horrible um, version of evil Superman. You know, evil Superman is basically I'm going to create mild annoyances around the world. But Ben, it I is kind of so scary when he's sitting there in that bar smashing stuff with those peanuts, and then he melts that mirror with the heat vision. Scary. People are kind of scared. I was scared. He's scary. I, I was not scared. The people sitting there, they might want to feel scared because it's Superman. But again, he, evil Superman in that world, the opposite of him is I'm going to melt your mirror. I'm going to create a nuisance for a I'm going to create a nuisance for a trinket seller on the streets of Pisa. And I'm going to push the tower back up. And make it Dude, straight. But he blew, he blew out the Olympic torch. What did. a punk! He did. It's like, okay, look out because I am going to come and I am going to put some branches from your tree behind your car. 
Like that's evil Superman in that world. <laughs> yes. And, okay. So Ben, right before we podcasted, my wife and I were watching a, a top 10 list of like the top 10 worst third installments in movie franchises. Okay. Okay. And Superman three was on there. Spider-Man three was on there and a bunch of other ones. And I found myself, I was like, I love most of these movies. The, or I don't love them, but I, I, yeah, I, like them. I, I couldn't use the laugh. word love with Superman three. I do like Superman three because you know what? It's Christopher Reeve and he's there. He showed up. <laughs> he and Richard Pryor's funny. You know, it's not <sighs> clearly he's the main character, but he's funny. <laughs> the, the, uh, cars, the, the, the dump, uh, or whatever the, the car, the dump uh, battle. Yeah. That, that battle between Clark Kent and, and evil Superman or however they, they played that up. It's been a long time since I've seen that, but that, that whole held up. I liked that. Then yeah. I like it. Now the scariness of the robot lady. That, Still scary. Oh man. You want to talk about scary. That's, that's scary. <laughs> but Well, okay. Segwaying back then third installments. They basically, they say they're talking about star Wars in this movie in apocalypse. They say they're talking about star Wars. They are not talking about star Wars when they talk about how, well, if you didn't have the first movie, you wouldn't have been able to have the ones that come that came after that. Well, mm-hmm. you know, the second movie is better because it's darker and they were able to end it, you know, on a, but you, I think we can all agree. The third movie is always the worst. And they're talking about the X-Men. Franchise. They are talking about the X-Men franchise. And, and they, they're also maybe even poking fun at, uh, at this movie. They could be. I mean, if you consider this the third in the new trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, think I, I don't trying, think they are. But... Maybe they're trying to say that this isn't the worst because obviously we wouldn't be pointing it out if we thought it was really the worst. No, and I, I don't think they're considering it the third because, I mean, this is Brian Singer and he did the first one. He did the second one. He did not do the third. The third was not his vision, and so I think that they would be poking fun at at that original trilogy before they're right. poking fun at this one. But right, um, which is still great. Hey, let's talk some some about themes and then wrap this up because you know we're Christian friends, we're Christian geeks talking about this stuff, and this is a movie that talks about faith. This is a movie that talks about gods and false gods, and this is a movie that had one of the most blatant descriptions of why superheroes can be and should be inspiring to me anyway, where you have apocalypse taking control of Charles Xavier and making it not taking control, but he's making him broadcast a message psychically to the world. And that message is he's going to destroy the world. And only the strong will survive. Survival of the fittest, if you would. And those strong who do survive, he wants them to come and join him and be with him. And so he's telling Xavier to give that message about, you know, the strong who survive, you know, strong, survive and come to me. And Xavier perverts the message. And says, to the strong, I don't know the exact words. I'm not going to repeat the exact words because I don't know them. But he says, to the strong, I say, protect the weak. Mission statement for X-Men, you know, defending a world that hates and fears them, helping a world that does not accept them, 
a mission statement for superheroes in general. That's what Superman is all about. He is the strong protecting the weak. This is why Superman will never take over the world because he is not a uh, you know, he's not a power monger. He's not seeking power. He is protecting the weak with his power. This is a great moment in a pretty solid movie. And I loved that moment. And they talk about this stuff also with Magneto and, and they talk about the stuff with other things as well. But when he said that, I was just, yes, yes, that's it. That's it. That is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It was a great moment. Um, and then they talk about false gods and, and they, uh, in fact, when, when apocalypse is talking about how he's planning to get rid of the systems and the, uh, the ways of, of the world in 1983, um, and he talks about, he's going to bring down the false gods and they, they show an image of, I think the Pope. And there was this interesting moment in the opening credits where they're zooming through history Mm, you yeah, know how they'll zoom cool. through DNA, they'll zoom through lava, they'll zoom through, you know, Braille cityscape. Um, they're zooming through history and they stop and the camera shifts so it can stay as it's moving along this kind of visual timeline. And it, it comes up on Christ carrying the cross and it spins on an axis with that to stay on that as it then continues to move through and, and show these other things to show that we're moving through time. But that again, I think Brian Singer is definitely he. I mean, he did that because that's that's a theme here that we're talking about is mm -hmm. uh, Christ. I, I, and I'm not sure how deep he would go as you know, or the the screenwriters or whoever in in this. But um, I mean, Apocalypse is about the strong being strong and overtaking and survival of the fittest. You know, and th that's the opposite of Christ. Christ is about the strong becoming low and the strong coming down to be the weak and then to not only be that, but to, uh, to die, you know, and, and to die in a humiliating and horrible way. And, and so I think that that is, I think Brian Singer at least is saying, Hey, this Jesus guy that I've heard tell of in history or, or whatever, um, he's a great example of, of some of the superhero stuff we want to, we're talking about here. Mm. Um, but I, 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 I have, I can't imagine that there is any reason, uh, to do that other than to say turning point in history, but also yep. turning point in history and an example of the, one of the themes we're going to try and explore here. So I do think it's funny. There was some Christian commentary about this movie that I've seen where they basically say, that the spiritual stuff is kind of there, but doesn't go far enough. You know, it kind of tries to ask these questions, but doesn't go far enough. And yet these, a lot of times, um, actually some of the same voices are talking about how, well, you know, you, you Christian Christians go too far, <laughs> you know, Christians need to pull back a little bit because it gets in the way of their art. And, but, oh, this guy is not a Christian. He's not going far enough. I, I don't know, pick a lane, man. Pick yeah, a lane. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think with me personally, you know, unless you're making something that's a Christian movie, I don't think you can import any 
actual religious or spiritual, you know, real spiritual significance to any movie. Um, you know, Lord of the Rings was written by someone who, who identified as Christian, but the movies weren't. So, you know, anything that was Christian in the movies was accidental. I mean, obviously he's not putting stuff in there because he wants people to, to have, you know, a Christian link to it, you know, things like that with, uh, you know, Superman, uh, you know, when he comes back from uh, investigating the, the remains of Krypton or whatever, and, and his mother is holding them or holding him and it looks like the Pieta, you know, it's, 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 it's not a Christian movie. So it's not like this is actually Christ, you know, it's, it's, it, there's just, he's trying to evoke things that are have a christian element to them but it's not christian and, well i would never you know, say that stuff, it is though i'm i'm saying but you can't get away from it like you can't get right. away from the fact that he is recognizing these things and that right, he is referencing them. these things but what my point is that to to try to and i'm not saying you're doing this but to, to try to import uh, Christianity or, you know, positive spirituality or anything to anything in pop culture, unless it's actually a Christian thing, you know, produced by Christians and stuff. Um, it's iffy at best. So, you know, when, when you, I, I, when I was a kid, you know, I would listen to music and things like that and watch movies and anything. I mean, you know, like, uh, uh, Duran Duran had a song, you know, uh, don't, don't say a prayer for me now. Save it for the morning after. I'm like, oh, they mentioned prayer, you know. And another one, you know. Every time I see you falling, I get down on my knees and pray. But what and, is you know? Whoa, wait a minute. But how is you know, this? Talk- how is this what I was what? talking about? I'm talking about looking in in pop culture and seeing spiritual things and seeing things that. Well, it, you, you know, can't get you can't get away from Christianity because. Christianity is the reality of the universe. It's not a religion. It's not even a faith. It's just the facts of existence. Well, it is um, those other things too. It what is, I'm, but what but, I'm saying is that when you look at anything in pop culture and try to, you know, say, "Oh, this was obviously, you know, some Christian subtly put this in to so I could get something Christian out of it," that's almost universally not how it works you know unless it's a christian production sure unless it's a petra album sure but but here that's what we're talking about though that doesn't mean the impact of those images or those references is diminished necessarily yeah and yeah that's 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 yeah but they're not christian images is what i'm saying well they are but they they might not have been put in by christian people like they're totally christian images yeah, they are. Like it's it's a guy looking from the outside and seeing these Christian images and and then saying that resounds with me. I'm going to use that. And maybe it gets perverted a little bit and maybe it gets watered down a lot or or whatever, but it's it is definitely a person from the outside looking in at the very least. It may be someone from the outside you know exploring within. I don't know. I don't know what Brian Singer's faith is i know his his lifestyle is not one that would make me say he's he's a you know bible believer or anything like that but um that's someone from the outside looking in often in his work uh you you mentioned the pieta in uh superman returns that's brian singer the same guy who directed this right Um, i think it's the the guy a guy on the outside looking in saying this resounds with me i'm going to reference that and it's 
it's there, you know, it's, it's there to be seen and it's there, you know, it's, it can, yeah, I'm not going to call it a Christian movie. I I can't call it a Christian movie, but I am going to say, you know, that the fact that he's scratching at this, there's, that shows that he is, um, you know, looking into that, that idea and saying, okay. And it's that, it's that verse in Romans, actually, Evan and I were just talking about this today. Uh, you know, where creation, you know, shows us. So man, man is without excuse. Uh, right, you yeah. know, it's, it's written Romans on one. the heart of man. And, and I think this is, I mean, if we're going to take a Christian, a entirely Christian view of, of his work and say that, I think this is, he is exemplifying that verse with, with his work. Um, but then, you know, all things considered, this is a movie, it's about superheroes and right. being heroic and doing right. things that actually are heroic, unlike some other superhero movies where, you know, it's, it's for these guys in the X-Men movies, it's a struggle to be heroic, but they're trying to overcome and, and do so. Uh, other movies, other, you know, TV series about superheroes, it doesn't go as, as positively as as this one does so there's another theme about um identity and trying to figure out who you are and that you know magneto prays in this movie he does it's kind of funny because after uh, he murders a bunch of people yeah yeah well there's there's two people who pray in this movie you have nightcrawler who is a character that classically in comics is is a catholic character and Mm-hmm. And here he a is devout again. Catholic character. And and in this movie, it's not something they really talk about much. They just show him doing it. They just show mm-hmm. him being that. Um, Magneto and Nightcrawler both pray. Nightcrawler's is much quieter, um, but Magneto is really loud about it because he's in grief and he's trying to be good. And I think the way the character is portrayed is he just keeps getting pushed into situations where he is pushed to his limits and you see you see this as a guy who wants to be good can't be and actually yells at god uh intentionally is this who i am is this who you made me to be is who you want me to be or um as if to say you know what god i i keep ending up in these situations and i don't want to but i'm gonna murder them now and then I'm going to go ahead and spend the rest of the movie as a murdering murderer who murders. Yes. Great. Well, and then, you know, he prays that prayer and then who shows up but Apocalypse, who in <laughs> fact claims to be the very God that Judaism is based off of That's in true. the first place. So now, did he say it in the movie? I, th- he's, I don't, he didn't say Jehovah. I think he said Adonai. Instead, in the movie, I think you're right, which is a lesser known name for God, but still saying yeah. the exact same message, yeah. which but I don't he, like. He, well, you know, I wouldn't like it, except, it, you know, there's the context of the movie, but then there's also the idea this movie is about false gods. Yeah, yeah. And so to have a character who we, you know, as Christians are looking at it and saying, well, he would be a false god if he was around for real in real life here. Um, you have a false God setting himself up as a false God saying he is the real God and saying the real God is a false God. 
Like that is not, I mean, if you were writing the story, Evan, you would have him say the same thing. Probably. Uh, or you, or you would lose some impact because you might be afraid to say it out loud, you know, but you would imply it then that that, that's what he's trying to do or that's what he's trying to say he is. And and that's, that's true. But I think in the overall meta context, not even meta, uh, you know, it's, it's making a statement that, you know, there truly is no God because if this guy is what all the legends quote unquote were based off of. And there's your explanation for that. Like it's all just evolution. Yeah. And in the context of this world, I mean, that's what it is meant to be. Um, it's that trope that super science or aliens or godlike beings were the genesis, so to speak, mm-hmm. of of our religious uh, beliefs because we just couldn't fathom what we were seeing or what we were experiencing, and and so therefore it must have been something like God. And so that's, and then the, the legends grow from there. So it's a trope. It's a, it's a trope that works great when you're talking about Thor. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Thor was just an alien that we just couldn't understand and couldn't fathom. And he has a hammer and it must've caused the thunder. It's not so great when it's, um, it's, one of the the uh, preservers, not the preservers. Um, oh, in Prometheus, the movie where seen it. one of those creatures was they they didn't do it in the movie. They didn't play it up in the movie as much as Ridley Scott wanted to. But the idea was the aliens that created the aliens from Alien and Aliens. Uh, mm-hmm. Those creatures, <laughs> the aliens who yeah. created the aliens from Alien yeah. and Aliens. Those those creatures actually <laughs> sent someone to Earth, and that someone was Christ, and he was murdered by the humans. And the whole idea of creating the xenomorphs from Alien was as punishment for humanity becoming, you know, being as evil as it was or as terrible as it was to, to huh. kill this other. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, they lose a lot of that, um, in the final cut. And I'm not sure what, what step that hap- happened at. Um, it's still Christmas at the time of the movie. They have a Christmas tree out. And so, you know, they are referencing the birth of Christ for, mm-hmm. you know, some effect, but I think they, the other interesting thing though, is they, they do have a character of faith in the movie. Um, yeah, I, and I knew that, but it's, and she, she's a Christian, right? Yes. Yes. Um, it, it, she's a movie Christian. Gotcha. <laughs> um, gotcha. <laughs> you know, she's a movie Christian placed in a movie by someone who clearly doesn't believe in Christianity. Right. Um, and, wow. and sometimes that's, sometimes that actually works. You get, you know, if you have an honest creator who wants to create something that rings true, because these are people he knows or she mm-hmm. knows. Um, and sometimes you're like, okay, you know what? That's actually a decent portrayal. Uh, sometimes it's a better portrayal when it's done by someone from the outside than someone from the inside, you know, to, cause they're observing and they're, right. they're, they're, they're making yeah, they're it on a real person. So it's more nuanced than 
you know, I'm a Christian. I'm going to yeah. make up a Christian character. Okay, well, he goes to my church and he believes my theology. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and it's sort yeah. of like. And so oh, does everyone else to... in their family and everyone else in their yeah. neighborhood. And yeah. I don't want him to be too much like me. I'll just dumb it down a little bit. And then it just comes out sort of like a <laughs> cookie cutter. Blonde. He's blonde. He's not like me at all. He's blonde. Yeah, he's right, exactly. You know, I am clearly sandy blonde. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so I, I appreciate what Brian Singer is trying to bring in. I mean, he, he's doing so. There's still the context of evolution. and and in, But even then, it's a, it's a paradox. Because, and I may be wrong in my understanding, but you know, Darwinian evolution is all about survival of the fittest. It's all about um, the strong overtaking the weak. It's all about the strong conquering the weak. And so, apocalypse would be a natural part of that Darwinian worldview, right? Because he's so strong, so powerful. And you have superheroes. Superheroes are anti-Darwinian. Superman is anti-Darwinian. He mm-hmm. is the strongest, the fittest, but he is protecting the weak. Yeah. And that this movie calls it out. Protect the weak. We are X-Men, products of evolution, products of survival of the fittest. And I'm telling you, don't do it. You know, don't be the fittest or use that to your advantage to help the people who can't. It's it's an anti-Darwinian message, and I don't know if that's what Brian Singer intended to, to make that statement, but it's a statement that comes through in the story he's telling. I, I it's just it struck me more in this movie than it does, you know, in, in others, uh, but probably because that evolution and, and just that Darwinian survival of the fittest idea yeah, so, is so, so front and center in this right, yeah. that you know when they actually do call it out as it's not good you know this is not what we should do i'm charles <laughs> xavier i'm the right one you know uh, apocalypse and, and magneto are wrong mm-hmm. so yeah good point all right guys we've talked for uh, almost an hour and a half and about mm, 17 to 18 minutes of that was about the movie that we're, we're here to talk about. Um, <laughs> a good 17 or 18 minutes, too. A great 17 or 18 minutes. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's wrap it up. Let's get some final thoughts. Um, and I think our final thoughts here are going to be, uh, should we rank them? I, I yes, did this for Welcome to Level 7, but I don't remember even then. I, I might even be different now than I was then. But, um, yeah, Steve... I'd like you to rank the X-Men movies in order uh, that you know. And so for okay. all three of us, I believe Deadpool, Deadpool's out. Uh, uh, you mean Cam Deadpool? Yeah. It's not a... Yeah. None of us have seen it. I know you guys have talked about doing that uh, Angel... Vid Angel. Vid Angel Vid thing Angel. with, with yeah, Deadpool. We... Watching the 30-second version with <laughs> no language or whatever. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, none of us have seen it. None of us plan to in the near future unless it's in that, that kind of capacity. I wouldn't count unless it. Unless uh, it's filtered. And I wouldn't yeah. count it in my list if it was filtered, though, because I'm not getting the movie right. that it is. So, um, right. so Steve, what what do you do? What do, what do you got for me? What's, uh, what's your, let's see. Uh, I would put, of the ones that I've seen, 
um, which would be the original three, the first Wolverine fiasco, and the uh, the first of this new trilogy. I would say uh, X Men one, X Men. Um, I'll go with X Men two, then X Men First Class, and then X Men three was really <clears throat> boy. I'm gonna have to put them on the same level, X Men three and Wolverine, as both unwatchable <laughs> <laughs> I mean unless you're you're absolutely fanatic about the first two X-Men films and you just have to finish it and uh, if you just have to know the end of the story and don't care you know that much about the characters or the, or the plot or the development or the cinematic stuff or anything at all um yeah, if you just have to finish it for some reason, then, then you would. Uh, I, I, that's the only reason why I would watch three again. I don't think there's any reason to watch Wolverine, the first, the first Wolverine. So, so I guess I put Wolverine at the very bottom, then right above it, like leaning on top of it, crushing the words Wolverine. You'd see uh, X three. And you're talking about X Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Got it. All right, Evan. All right. Starting from the top, it had to be X two. It just really captured my imagination as a as a kid. Uh, Days of Future Past would be next. I put that right above Apocalypse. And I think the reason I ranked Days of Future Past better than Apocalypse, uh, I had a good reason for it. I can't remember it right now, but. Yeah. After Apocalypse, it's The Wolverine, uh, which I just really enjoyed that movie. Uh, I have, I've only seen it once, though, so I need to watch it again. But it's set in Japan, and I just love Japan. If I, could, if, if I had to be a missionary and God would let me go to any country I wanted, I'd pick Japan. Um, nice. Yeah, my wife is a, a quarter Japanese, so that means my daughter is going to be an eighth Japanese, which is good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get her little little Japanese outfits. Anyway, um, <laughs> after the Wolverine, it's going to be X-Men. And then X-Men 3. Here's my bottom three. Okay, X-Men 3, First Class, and Wolverine Origins. I don't right. understand you. I don't okay. understand you. I'm going to talk about this now real quick while we're, while we're closing up here. Okay, so First Class just really rubbed me the wrong way. couple reasons. They took the very powerful and emotional first scene of the x the first x-men in the concentration camp and then i feel like they diluted it a little bit with the the add-on scenes that they did in first class i didn't like it i also really 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 did not like the villain it's kevin bacon um, i know it how is. can you not just, like the villain everyone I, loves bacon I, I didn't Everything's like better with bacon. No, Kevin I thought he was lame. Bacon. I thought his submarine was lame. I really, really do not like Emma Frost at all in any iteration that she's ever been in. I do not like her. Um, yeah, I got to agree with with uh, with Evan here. I've never been a big Kevin Bacon fan and never been a big 
Emma Frost fan. I didn't say that about Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah, but, he, you implied it. <laughs> I didn't. I did. I didn't. I'm, I didn't I'm making say those I didn't your like words. His portrayal. I just did not like the character. <laughs> I thought it was. All right. Dumb. All right. Um. Okay. And then I felt like they they the unneeded immodesty and sexuality in the movie with Emma Frost being half naked and then the what's her name the wasp dragonfly girl her scene in the film we have the unnecessary f-word again with wolverine um yeah i felt like this was a i felt like this was not a good or epic way to establish charles and magneto's uh relationship i thought it was lame sauce compared to what i had read in the ultimate x-men comic books um yeah. yeah. And yeah, I just had so many problems with it. I I didn't like it. And the cool the coolest mutant in the movie was Darwin, who can adapt to anything to survive, and they kill him after like five minutes of screen time. <sighs> okay. Anyway. So, so here's yeah. here's my thing though. Okay. Um these X-Men movies that I am championing, uh, there are, there's, there's a set of them that I like, and there's a set of them that I don't like. The thing is the set that I do like, I don't feel like they are, they, they don't hold up, uh, against the MCU. They don't hold up against my favorite stuff. These are all movies that for me, they're mostly good, but they're not like, I, I have to return to these and, and I have to rewatch these and I'm excited about rewatching them or anything like that. Um, I gave first class strong, strong, high star rating because I do feel like it's a strong, strong movie. The music, the setting, the, um, I, I feel like that the, you know, the, the Cuban missile crisis is a great situation where they're kind of this alternate history, but it's a secret history. And I like that kind of thing. Um, I agree with you about the immodesty of the movie. Every single female character ends up in their underwear. Every single one. The, you first meet Moira McTaggart, and what does she do? She strips down to her underwear so she can do, you know, be the professional CIA agent. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's that's ridiculous. Um, the Emma Frost character, I I don't like Emma Frost either. Um, I don't like January Jones as Emma Frost. Um, she's better with uh, in in uh, Mad Men. Uh, but she's, you know, she's detached and she's not engaged with the world around her. Uh, and that's intentional, but it doesn't, it doesn't endear you to the character. But the, my, my, my list first class is up at the top. I like that the best. And, and really is it's the tone and the mood that it sets. And again, I'm not excited about going back to it ever, but um, I think I've seen it uh, two, two or three times, maybe, maybe four. Um, and that's just because it was good when it came out. Uh, Days of Future Past and X2 are kind of tied, depending on the day, which one, if it's second or third for me. Uh, Days of Future Past, I've seen twice. Once was at, was the extended cut. Um, X2, I've seen a lot of times more than that. But I really, you know, I, I put it there. Apocalypse and, and the first X-Men are kind of tied then for the fourth and fifth slot. Um, my My overall review of Apocalypse is there are X-Men movies out there. And Apocalypse is one, you know, it just, it just sits in the middle of my list as a really, you know, 
It's not a terrible movie. And if it had come, if there wasn't an MCU, uh, you know, this would be something I'd be far more excited about maybe, but it just, we, when you've got Avengers happening and you've got, you know, Batman and Superman and justice league happening, uh, X-Men has to do something really special to stand out. And they haven't done that yet. Right now, what's what's caused X-Men to stand out is that X-Men and X2, you know, X-Men allowed us to get X2, and X2 is, is considered one of those best superhero movies ever uh, by, you know, on, on people's lists that are out there doing lists. Wolverine then brings up the end of the movies that I liked, the Wolverine uh, version of, of not the Wolverine Origins. Wolverine Origins I put next to last because of the opening credits. Every time I think about it, those opening credits are so amazing. They are, but then, see, I had to put so it at the bottom it, for a couple of reasons. Well, but that, that's what puts it above X3 for me. X3, this, the stuff that I don't like just trumps the stuff that I didn't like in, in Origins. It really came down to more stuff that I didn't like in a stronger way. And <laughs> Wolverine Origins, maybe I'm... Maybe it's good they never made that movie. Maybe it's good we only got that montage because maybe we wouldn't have gotten a very good movie out of it. I don't know. But oh, they could totally made an awesome movie. But could, they, movie you, you, could they? The team that made X-Men Origins? No, no, not that team. Exactly. I mean, that's who was making the Wolverine movie at that time. So that's who that's the movie would have gotten would, would have been those situations made by that team, that screenwriter, that director. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's what causes me to say maybe it was best that we only got what we got because it was really, really good. But yeah, the, the rest of it, a, a great made-for-TV superhero movie, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. But. All right, guys. I think we need to close this this down, say goodbye, and... I don't know what's happening in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to try and sneak in a couple of moments where we can record together, maybe. But these are weeks where I'm going to be out and about doing camp. And um, so the microphone is not going to be as available to me. Uh, and the movie theaters are definitely not going to be. And But I'm going to take the opportunity to do some reading. Evan, I understand you've been doing some reading. I have, and I'm almost done actually Ben. i've i think i've got two or three chapters left in uh till we have faces by c.s lewis that episode is coming we are doing awesome. that episode steve have awesome. you read it recently recently no but okay. i could dust it off dust it off and, and 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 brush up on it um i had to buy a copy a new copy for myself um because I loaned Evan my old copy. So um, I'm going to be reading it. I'm almost it. done. You can have it back. Well, I'm leaving on Saturday, though. So that's also true. Uh, but anyway, that's coming. Um, there's going to be more movie stuff this summer. And we've got a couple other book things that we're interested in, in doing. We want to do more books, more sci fi printed page, and not just comics and, and movies. And, and uh, I will be trying to cover the. Uh, E3 game conference. If there's anybody out there uh, interested in sci-fi and, and fantasy in video games, hopefully we'll have an episode about that also. Cool. cool. Sounds good. Sounds good. We have other plans for the near future, but that's kind of... Uh, we also have plans for the far future. We'll see when we get to those days and they become future past if we've actually done what we are thinking about doing. But... <laughs> 
Um, until then, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of our near the near future plan, and, and we'll do more summer movies and that kind of thing. So, yeah, okay. Well, you guys you got any any final words? Anything you'd like to to end on before before we shut this thing down? Well, I have to end on a confession, Ben. You see, when I've I've only seen X Men First Class on, on a filtered device, oh. <laughs> so uh-huh. I know about those immodesty scenes, but I thankfully have not actually had the the opportunity to see all of them. So, excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of because I I. Okay, I, I saw that the the Firefly girl in the trailer, right? Uh huh. And you could tell what was going on. Actually, with you know what her her name was? Angel. What was it? <laughs> yeah. Nice. So. Interesting. So and I and I saw Emma Frost. You could tell what was going on. I think I saw that in the trailer too. But yeah, I had no idea that Moira Metagart team was even in there because I it just my I have a filtering DVD player. It's Clearplay, uh, and you, it you can get one at Clearplay.com by the way. And you can uh, it just skips seamlessly over any any of those parts. So I didn't even know that was in there. Cool. Just yeah. That might be things why uh, I don't like first yeah. class. And see, actually what you've just said, Evan is why I am more happy and more inclined to just skip the movie altogether than to watch uh, a filtered version of the movie. Um, because you do miss out on things that are essential to the movie that aren't essential to what I need to put in my head necessarily, you know? And, and so that's why Deadpool, I, I don't think I'm going to watch the filtered version. I, I just, for me to filter it, I, I don't have a problem with censoring yourself. I don't have a problem with, you know, the, the versions of movies that get put on TV, for example, where they've re-edited and where they've done yeah. things to, to make it still work. But when it's something, you know, automatic and mechanical that's doing it, um, I would just be worried that I'm I'm not getting the full impact. And so I'd rather if if, if getting the full impact means I'm getting stuff that I really don't want, I'd, I'd rather just not get not, not bother with it. So that's that's my and the kind of strong feelings, I guess, about about a filtered watching a filtered version of a movie is I'd rather just skip it. I don't need it. So there you go. Yeah, it used to be so you wait the- for it on TV and then you. Yeah, but yeah, cool. you just record that. But one of the uh, the the interesting things about Vid Angel is on a lot of their things, I can't I can't speak for every single one, but if there's something that's really pivotal to a scene, it'll give you like a little spoiler thing to click on, and huh. you could click on it if you want, and then it'll say, you know, this is happening in the scene, huh. which normally you would want filtered out, but. It's you know the dialogue is pivotal to the the scene or something like that. So it gives gives you the option, and you know gives it in a little spoiler, so it's it's not gonna you know completely ruin it for you. But uh, yeah, I, I I would say these these aren't perfect things, but with a lot of this stuff, it's you know I want to show some movies to my kids. Like my my daughter has some friends who. Uh, you know, they're 12 years old. I have no idea why their parents would have shown them alien at this point. <laughs> but I mean, with all the language and the, the gore and stuff, but my, my daughter was interested in it. She doesn't like horror movies, which, you know, there's that already, but you know, I didn't really want to, you know, have her exposed to all that stuff. But at the same time, 
her friends have seen the movie. So at least to give her a sense of the movie, I said, you know what, let's do it on VidAngel and, and, you know, work it out that way. So, um, hmm. you know, I think for the, for the most part, these are, you know, just made to make millions of dollars <laughs> and these are legal ways to watch them. So even if it isn't someone's, uh, vision for their for their thing i don't consider this high enough art to care that much especially if they've already said hey you can you know use this this stuff to edit it anyway so um so that that's just my take and i i, I can totally understand ben's i you know ben, ben's uh take on it that it's it's still art and it's still someone's idea. It's not, it's not their... even the art though. It's, it's not even the art. It's just, if I, if I feel so strongly that I'm not going to watch something because of the content and the, by cutting out scenes, I'm going to miss out on pivotal you know ideas. Like you say, yeah, the, the, the click thing. Yeah, sure. Okay. But for, for me, it's just, you know what? I, I I'm just going to skip it. I, I don't need it. I don't, I'm, I'm going to be fine in life without it. Um, mm-hmm. if I have to watch it, say for a class or something, maybe if it was a clinical kind of thing, maybe then I would consider that. Um, and you know, it's, it's nothing more, you know, different than, uh, you know, changing the channel, I guess, at a bad spot or, you know, like we used to do with when we were kids or, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, fast forwarding through it or something like that. But yeah, I mean, there, there is the artistic idea and I do consider it high art. I consider uh, I consider film story and I consider story important art. And yeah, I mean, it's just me though. I mean, it's, it's, I can totally understand the idea of, well, you know, I, I'm missing out on something, you know, and, and I want to be able to talk about something with, with my friends who've seen it. And I can understand that, but, but it's just, it's just not for me. It's just not for me. That's cool. So anyway, final thoughts from you, uh, Evan, or was that your final thoughts? My final thoughts was yes, I needed yeah, to that. Yeah, that was Okay, yeah, Steve, yeah. final thoughts from you then. <laughs> My final thought is a, a parody of of a classic line and I think it applies to to uh to this podcast. And and keeping in with the the X-Men theme, we're the best we are at what we do. Wolverine's famous line, but I'm giving it to all of us now. And what we do. Yeah, you edited is, it. <laughs> I had yeah, you cut off the end. You cut off the end. <laughs> well, because it's you know typically you know what we do isn't pretty, but yeah, yeah, that's not, no, not typically. Pretty. That's the line, isn't it? I think well, it's pretty. What we do isn't very nice, is what he usually says. I think. I think the first time it was isn't very pretty, or at least okay. the first time I keep no. I can say definitively, the first time I became aware of the line, that's what I heard was what I do isn't very pretty. Okay. Right. In all, in all the recent uh I guess TV shows and movies it's been isn't very nice. So I was going to I think ch- what we do is pretty and nice. And pretty <laughs> yeah, nice. Same thing, yeah. So that's what my we, last word. What we do is pretty nice. And <laughs> my last word is going to not have any rabbit trails. <laughs> Cuz it's not a discussion starter nor is it something that is going to cause people to argue with me. Like I just argued with Steve about something I didn't need to argue about. Uh, but that brings up an interesting argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My final word is this. <laughs> Thank you for listening. No argument there. And Godspeed.
You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is one 804 alien Once again, thanks for listening.